0: So I arrived home just in time for dinner. My brother Jim and his family were over, kind of like a pre-baptism meet. Saturday was going to be the big day, the baptism. All of us would go to the Holy Rosary Catholic Church. Father Charles would be officiating. He was also at the house for dinner. Charles was the brother of Freddie that had dated Elsa for years. He was a pretty cool guy. He was down from Boston to do the service and visit his brother. He told the story of a parishioner that had passed away that lived out in the sticks. The coffin they had taken for the burial was not big enough for the dearly departed, so they cut his legs off and put them under his arms and then buried him six feet under. I called Doc to tell him I was home. He said, Hey, come on over after dinner, and we can catch up. The Cubans are going out to the bars tonight so that it'll be just the two of us. David might come by. Well, I had nothing else to do. So once dinner was over and everyone headed back home, I would go out to Doc's house. Father Charles asked me if I needed confession before the service. I told him, no, I'm good. I wasn't good. I hadn't been to confession for a few weeks. The last time was with Father Steve, who knew my secret. No way could I tell Father Charles. So I arrived out at Doc's house a little later, and the Cubans were still there. Doc was in the kitchen cooking meals that he would eat during the next week. He would freeze them and then take them to the office. He had a large glass of scotch sitting on the kitchen breakfast nook. Eight people could sit around it. He was in his underpants and smoking a Salem cigarette. He said, The Queens will be leaving shortly. They have a drag show that Emilio is in. I had no clue what a drag show was. All three were effeminate. So I said, What is a drag show? Doc let out a laugh and then turned to me and said, It's where guys dress up as girls. Happens all the time. You have a perfect face for drag. He began sloshing the cooked beef stew into freezer containers. His cigarette was dangling off his lips and the ashes were falling in the food. I said, I am not interested in drag or being a girl. I don't even like guys acting like girls. He fixed me a vodka tonic with lime, put it on the table and said, Well, we'll see about that. I thought, No, we won't. Not interested. Then he said, Drink up. He flicked the remaining ashes on the tile floor. He had a housekeeper that came every day to clean up after him and his two bulldogs. Charlie Brown, and Jingle Balls. I would watch Elsa dress sometimes for a date and thought it interesting how she would struggle to put on her girdle and then go from dress to dress to arrive at the one that was just perfect, then the high heels and perfume. Why would guys want to do all of that? So I said to Doc, Why are you calling them queens? He said, That's what gay people do. They call each other queens. It's fun. Doesn't mean anything coming from another gay. He began to dance in front of the stove. He had an intercom that played music in each room. He had an album by Johnny Mathis playing. Then he said, Well, he's a queen, so I guess Doc was a queen. John was a queen. I don't think John would take kindly to me calling him a queen. He's already let me know not to kid him about being a girl. Emilio came into the kitchen, an unwelcome surprise. He had a blonde wig on, kind of looked like Marilyn Monroe. He actually looked better as a girl. Makeup, high heels, a tight short dress. Emilio said, hey hon, want a big kiss? Disgusting. He kissed me on the neck. He went to Doc and kissed him on the mouth. He said, See you girls later. I've got to go perform. I was glad to see him and the others leave. I guess Doc must be paying them to live with him. I didn't really want to know. Doc poured himself more scotch, through the empty bottle in the trash. Trash that I would be taking out to the dump. Sometimes I would find five empty bottles in the garbage when hauling them out to dump on Sundays. Doc said, next time you are down, I'll take you to a gay bar. I'd never heard of a gay bar. What goes on in a gay bar? Drag? Doc laughed again. He started tossing the burnt pots and pans into the sink. People like you and me go there for hookups. All kinds of queens. I did not like being considered a queen. Guessed a lesbian was a king. I would be up for that. I don't have any plans next Friday or Saturday night. Seemed intriguing. I thought of people like me in a bar wanting to meet. Must be a safe place. He set a bowl of stew in front of me. I told him, I ate at the house. I wondered if John went to gay bars. I told Doc, You were right. This homo thing is not going away. I had a wild night with John. Best time ever with another person. Doc sat down next to me in the nook. You need to be careful about telling anyone what you're doing, especially your mom. He took the last gulp of his scotch. I said, don't worry, I'm not telling anyone. I turned to face him. Did you ever watch or read about the CBS report on homos? It's pretty scary what Mike Wallace said. Doc said, don't read that bullshit. They don't know what they are talking about. They are afraid of the unknown. They are a bunch of ignorant, uptight assholes. Doc lit up another cigarette and then said, I want to hear all about your wild night with John. Raised both eyebrows. I told him most of what went on. I didn't tell him about the dippity-doo. I did tell him about Mr. Cop on campus. He said, boy, you've wasted no time. What does John think of this? That's when I lost it. I was pretty sure John and I were never going to be a couple. I said, he hasn't said so, but I think it's over. In three weeks, nothing has happened. When I see him at the frat table he talks like nothing ever happened. Doc then said, There's plenty of fish in the sea. Don't worry about John. I actually didn't know squat. Did you see us sitting in the window? we seas rolling down the- And the love that she bore with a thousand seeds is drowning in the water. So Sunday morning came. The baptism for my niece went without a hitch. I took communion even though I hadn't completed my confession. Another rule that I broke put me in jail. My mind was in turmoil about the judgment and me participating in unnatural acts. I was going to date girls, have sex with girls. I would also go out with John if he wanted it. The waiting was torture. Why couldn't he just move into my dorm room? I was looking forward to trying out the gay bar next weekend, be exciting to meet people in the same situation. So Father Charles explained the duties of the godparent. My niece will have a homosexual godparent. I was unfit. The next week flew by. All my classes were going well. I was pretty sure I'd get A's and B's when the quarter was up. Professor Abley told me in the accounting class that he wanted to see me after class. He said, Calderwood, I've got something significant to speak with you about. You need to come to my office after class so we can talk in private. I figured he was going to put the moves on me. He was way too old and unattractive. I was not interested, so I reluctantly went to his office. Just a small space big enough for a small desk, some books, degrees plastered on the wall, and room for four people. Abely said, Calderwood, come on in. Close the door behind you. I don't want anyone overhearing what I'm going to tell you. I closed and locked the door. His eyes were on me as I turned and pulled out a chair to sit on, opposite him. I was nervous. I guessed he would make it harder on me in class if I didn't go along with his scheme. So then he says, I've got a proposition for you. You are a bright young man. I observe you in class, and I think you're going to go far in the business world. I was thinking, but the sweats were back. My lower back down to my ass was wet. I was wondering what he was watching. My ass, not going to happen. He then said, I have dear friends that own an accounting business, and they're looking for an apprentice. I immediately thought of you what do you think? The first thing was I was relieved. I took a deep breath and said, well, that would be fantastic. I can't believe you thought of me. I may owe him something, but he wasn't getting it. I could get a job anywhere, but an accounting apprentice position would be the best while I was still in school. Then I said, where are their offices at? He said, well, they have multiple offices. One is downtown Miami in the Ainsley Building, and the other one is down in Homestead, where you're from. The name of the firm is Goldstein, Goldstein & Coven. I told him I'd give you their card, and you would set a time to go for an interview. So he handed me the card and then said, now you can go. Huh, well that was it, not you owe me, or what are you going to do for me while unzipping his pants. He didn't want anything. I needed a boost. I felt like I had taken a massive step towards my business career. He liked me. Long haired students protesting the Vietnam War covered the campus. They had slept on the grounds the previous night. Old New Jersey was probably on his way to boot camp now. Most of the protesters were guys. Guys that looked like they had not showered in days. Hair matted, tie-dyed shirts. They were handing out papers pointing out how the U.S. had no business in Vietnam. So I walked into the cafeteria with the protest paper and the business card for my new job. A couple of the guys asked me what was new. I told them. Professor Averly gave me a job opportunity with an accounting firm. A friend of mine, Tom, said, "'What's the name of the firm?' I said, Goldstein, Goldstein, and Coven. Tom then said, "'Oh, a Jewish firm.' I said, "'How did you know?' I had no clue that Goldstein was Jewish. Tom said, "'Everyone knows Goldstein is Jewish.' "'You were on the farm way too long, Calderwood.' Everyone, including John, had a good laugh at my ignorance." Bonnie and her best friend walked up to our table. The guys had already told me how jealous they were. She wanted to know what we were doing for the weekend. I told her that I was going down to Miami again. I didn't tell her that I was going to my first gay bar with my gay doctor. That would have created quite a scene with her and my frat brothers. John was distant. I couldn't figure out why after the wild night we had. Why didn't he want to move into my room? It would be perfect. I also had been obsessing about people on campus finding out about my defect, my mental disorder. The majority of students would shun me. The Kinsey Report stated that 10% are homos. 90% would be talking about Calderwood the faggot. I had to play my... Roll, date girls, and pretend to have a great time. It would be exhausting, but I had no options. I would see John on the side and enjoy the passion, but date girls and blend in with all the normal people. People had six ways from Sunday trying to get into your head. After the last two classes, I rushed back to the dorm to get my things together for heading home. I had Purchased a new shirt for the gay bar. I wanted to look my best. I piled into the Rambler. The whole drive home, all I could think about was the gay bar. What kind of guys would be there? Would they be my age, look like me, or be older guys looking for twinks? At least I'd be safe with Doc. When I arrived home, Elsa said, How's everything going on up there? So I told her about my potential job offer and that I couldn't believe Aberly thought of me. I didn't tell her he might be a homo and looking for payback. Then she said, so how's your love life? What's up with Bonnie? When she said love life, all I could think about was John. I was going to have to tell her I was taking another path, a path littered with obstacles that I'd have to navigate. Now wasn't the time for the conversation. Another part of my mind was obsessed, thinking of John and that stupid fucking song, Bridge Over Troubled Water. John was the trouble. Elsa was going out on a date with Freddie. She said, see you in the morning. Once she was gone, I called Doc to find out what the plan was. He told me to come out to his house and we'd leave from there. He wanted me to drive his car, the new Cadillac. I'd love driving his new Cadillac. When I got to Doc's house, all the Cubans were gone. Thank God. Doc was just beginning to get ready. He had a towel wrapped around him from just getting out of the shower. So I headed to the kitchen and told him I'd clean up a bit, take the garbage out clean up after the dogs. It was going to be a night to remember, a gay bar with other guys like me. Heading up US-1 and then across to Miami Beach was exciting, exciting driving the 69 El Dorado. The lights would dim automatically when another car came from the opposite direction. It was gold with a tin top, brown leather interior. I loved the new car smell. Rich. Doc talked about when he was in medical school in Philly and that they used code words to get into clubs. I never did like going into bars. I didn't really see the point. Clubs were another thing. We had a dance club in Cutler Ridge packed on Saturday nights with guys and girls dancing. The gay bar was called The Ambassadors. It was on the street not far from Collins Avenue. Small motels and hotels filled the road along with a few homes. We passed a few guys talking and just hanging out on the street. Seemed like they were waiting to go in or maybe had just hooked up and deciding where to go. No one acknowledged us. Doc said, Don't make eye contact. If you do, they'll follow you around all night. We reached the main entrance, an area about the size of a living room, several chairs and a sofa along with a desk for checking in. Stationed in each corner of the room were floodlights. Doc pointed and said, if you see those lights go off, then get the hell out as fast as possible. It means the cops are raiding the place. The guy at the desk nodded his head in agreement. I thought of my face posted on the front page of the Miami Herald, Local Homo Caught and Miami Beach Club Ambassadors. Maybe they would link it to Mr. Cop finding me on campus with a girl in the back seat. Of course, the girl was John. Now I was not so excited about being in a gay bar after all. After checking in, we entered through double solid wood doors. The first thing I noticed to my right was a dance floor filled with guys dancing and kissing, some with their shirts off and tucked into the back of their pants. A strobe light scattered the walls and ceilings with colorful designs. I had never danced with a guy. I had never even thought of dancing with a guy. This was really cool. To the left was an oval bar with stools, all the seats taken. Many were having active conversations with others standing near them. Eyes were on Doc and me. I felt like I was in an interview. We walked past the dance floor and bar to an area where many others were standing, some alone and looking, some waiting. Doc gave me $10 and said for me to get us some beers. He also said, Never ever order a mixed drink for one thing it probably isn't the brand you want they fill the expensive looking bottles with cheap liquor the other thing is they don't clean the glasses and you could get hepatitis give the bartender a dollar tip and he'll remember you so i walked to one of the few spaces at the bar to order our beers bartender was cute and winked at me and said hey cutie what can i do for you he was shirtless and called me cutie. I liked how easy it was for him to say that to me. He gave me the two beers and I left the dollar tip. Sweaty bartender said, thanks man. Hey, if you look over there, you will see three guys watching you. You're the new meat in town. Well, that was weird. So I started back to dock with the two beers. A blonde guy about my age walked up and said, Hey, your John's been watching you like a hawk. I said, Oh, he's not John, that's Jim. The blonde shook his head back and forth. He's paying your way, man. That's okay. He handed me a matchbook and said, Hey, my number's inside. Call me when you get rid of your John. I told him to come over and talk with us, but he headed back to his friend's. The two friends nodded to me like, Hey man, let's party. I decided I would call him. The name he wrote in the matchbook was Lee. I would call him tomorrow. You there's sunshine in the rain when it's pouring Won't you give yourself to me Give it all I just want to see how beautiful you are If life was a movie Then you're the best part Where you go- This is episode 6 of Navigating Muddy Waters. If you like my show, please tell your friends. Subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Wondery, or wherever you are listening now. Everything in my show is based on actual events. I'm your host, Joe Calderwood. I'm also the writer, recorder, producer, and editor. Music is by Freddie Elmberg.